0: All right, Kiss Army. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by
1: the Lord for the Lord.
0: We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Episode 73 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm Julian Gill, one of your hosts, and joining me today on the panel are Marcus Almighty. Mark, welcome back. St. Louis Kiss, Lonnie, oh. and the voice of reason, Ken, 69th Blizzard Hello. on the board. Gentlemen, good to see you all. Happy Friday. And we had a topic set up for today, which uh, really makes me feel a little bit foolish that uh, I was reading the board this morning, and it's happy birthday to Unmasked, which, okay, not many people really give two shits about, I suppose, in the larger picture of the Kiss catalog. But which one? Ken came prepared. Yeah. <laughs> which one is that, Ken?
2: What uh, do I mean, like, it's a promotional copy? Ooh. Is it like this? Oh, I, I it's not that one, but I do have one of those. I yeah. do have one of those. This one I keep meaning to get rid of because
0: it's just not as nice as the last swirly design I had. It's not as pleasing to the eye as I expect it to be. Rather. I'm sure Mark
2: will uh, be interested in that one. Maybe Still not real <laughs> pleasing
0: to
3: the ears, no matter what's
2: on it. But. <laughs>
0: well, you know, you can take a razor blade and scratch across the record so that you never have that problem again. But let's, let's talk about Unmasked today, because obviously, it kind of marks the end of KISS in so many ways. It's the transition from Peter Criss on drums to Eric Carr. It's the kind of the end of the pop phase with vinnie poncia at the production helm and it's the calm before the storm of the elder so it's the you know in the middle of the trilogy of kiss being confused about what kiss really was so let's start from there and i guess ken you're a perfect person to go to first because you probably bought the album off the shelf in the stores back way back when so you're a, take us back to 1980 you're a kiss fan and you come home with unmasked and put it on the turntable or stick the eight track in and impressions
2: well um you know i enjoyed dynasty before it so um, i was you know okay with it i was okay with the, them doing a Disco type thing uh, on there. Um, it really, it was only one song. So um, when *Ad Mass* came out, uh, I didn't know it came. What day it was coming out on? Um, and maybe that's because I didn't call the record stores, or I didn't know, or I didn't see the a date in a magazine. Um, so, but I was at the record store about at least once a week back then, and so I would always go by the Kiss section. <laughs> Just. Just to check, you know, I got to check, you know, to see if anything's you know, there that I might have missed. And sure enough, there it was. And and it was kind of a strange looking cover, um, you know, bit busy and it was like, wow, you know, very colorful. Um, so I, well, oh crap, there's a new album. So of course, I, I bought it and got it home, took it home and, and put it on. I think it was with my friend at the time. And, uh, and, You know, Is That You, Uh, the original, the first song, uh, when it came up. You know, I thought it was okay, Uh, but Mm -hmm. that didn't sound to me like a Kiss song. Uh, Just to my ears, it didn't sound like a Kiss song. And uh, though, as we were going and playing the whole album, I thought, well, you know, there's a lot of catchy stuff on here. It's pretty good, and I think it may grow on me, which it did over time. And uh, though my friend at the time, he told me, it doesn't sound like peter chris playing drums he told really? me that he actually said that to me so he had been listening to kiss longer than me uh obviously and uh and i said i can't tell Guess <laughs> i didn't know i wasn't you know that detailed and listening to the how someone's drumming uh, i just kind of taken the whole song the whole music the all of the guitars together at once and that final sound it just comes into my ears and i don't pay m- too much attention to the rest but um, yeah so i thought it was good and and i did buy it right when it came out um, well it could have been a day later too i don't know because of, uh, again i didn't know it was there
0: yeah it was um, pretty flexible back then i think that when record stores got the records in that's when they were released so yeah you know it's not like in the 90s or you know late 80s that tuesdays in the u.s at least became kind of the ubiquitous release date um i mean you can, you can go back and look at the copyright records and they've got all sorts of mondays sundays show up the date really is very very fluid that's why it's always entertaining to talk about the release date of the first album because no one really freaking knows for sure so you know whenever they got it it came out Lonnie, what about you? For your first experience of being unmasked,
3: um, for unmasked, it, it it's I'm um, being born in '79. It was one of the albums that I had to go back and get, and it was one of the last albums, or maybe not one of the last, but definitely in the lower third of the la- of albums that I of Kiss albums that I purchased because, you know. You know, I've talked that I've had Destroyer and Creatures of the Night where my first couple, you know, I had Animal Eyes when it came out and things like that, but um, when you would go, when I would go to a record store and, and and look for a new Kiss album or decide which Kiss album I was going to buy today, you know, Unmasked wasn't always high on the priority list because I'd look at the songs on the back it's like, well, I don't know any of these songs. Well, I know, or if I look at, um, you know, Dress to Kill, well that has rock and roll night on it. it has she on there I know those from double platinum okay i'll get I'll give this one a try first before I would get unmasked and um but, you know i didn't i didn't there wasn't anything off of unmasked off of that was on smashes thrashes, and hits or you know or anything like that that I was familiar with so it wasn't one of those ones that oh I can't wait to get that one because well I know some of the songs on there are, I already know some of the songs on there are good so I was really going into it kind of blind not knowing what to expect you know I knew the the order of things that it came after dynasty, obviously and progression of the band. So when I got it, I remember buying, I actually, I bought it on vacation when I was at the Lake of the Ozarks one year. It's a real Missouri thing. The Lake of the Ozarks on vacation. But, um, yeah, I, and I, and I, we, uh, say late, not late nineties, but maybe early nineties. We put it on the CD player in the car, which was pretty high tech back then. And I, I remember listening to it and I was like, okay, you know, it's, it was, you know, it was, it caught me off guard because it was just very, very different. Like like Ken was saying, like, is that you? Well, okay, well, it's a decent song, but it's not, doesn't sound like a KISS song to me, you know what I mean? It doesn't have, doesn't have the, the punch that I'm, that I'm looking for in a KISS record. So it, I wasn't... Taken aback by it right away, and it wasn't like when we got home from or back to the condo from the record store. It's not like I, I really didn't have like, oh, okay, let's bring it in and let's continue listening to it right away. It was just kind of like, okay. And I was like, Ugh. it was. It's it's one. It was, I can remember it was like, oh, it's it's quote unquote one of those Kiss records where it's just not because I think I already had the Elder at that point too, and I'm not I'm not real big on the Elder. It's just you know it's. It's a Kiss album, but it doesn't sound like a Kiss album. You know, and you guys know what I'm talking about. We all have our own definition of what a Kiss album should sound like. So I wasn't floored with it right away. But like Ken said, it kind of grew on me in time. And I do like um, a good number of the songs off there. And, you know, looking back on it, I really wish that, you know, if had you had know, taken that group of songs and not had Vinnie Ponce yet as the producer, um, and gotten rid of a lot of the keyboards and a lot of the other crap on there, I think you could have had a much crunchier and more, quote-unquote, KISS-sounding record. But, you know, and you could say, well, it's 1980, they were chasing trends, but, I mean, you look at what other bands were doing at the time, like Judas Priest and ACDC and you, things like that, you, and it's you, just like, yeah, just no. Stop,
0: just stop right there. You just said Judas Priest. I mean, come on. And ACDC yeah. for I 1980,
3: mean, and it's forget about it. It's like, so. I mean, how are you... I don't know, I, I guess, and I guess that's more of a question for Ken, is it's like, you have bands like that, like Judas Priest and ACDC releasing these fantastic records at the time, and and Kiss puts out this pop-sounding thing. And it it really would have, t- if I was in Ken's position, it really would have tested my loyalty to the band at the time. You know what I mean? Like, you know, is it is it time to jump ship? Or am I just still buying these albums out of loyalty at this point? Out of habit, the addiction. Correct. We've all been there with yeah. bands that have kind of faded off but when a new album comes out. I'm like, oh, you know, they're they used to be one of my favorite bands. I should go at least buy their album and check it out and see if maybe they're returning the form or not. But it, it would to me if I would have went out and bought On Mass today, came out, I would have been really disappointed. and Like, maybe I think my favorite band is is starting to to lose it.
0: Yeah, Mark, how about you? First encounters. Well, um. Just similar
1: to Lonnie when i uh got the record, it was a lot later on. I had been listening to a lot of the other kiss material at that time, like Animalize and Asylum and stuff like that, and even like stuff like Destroyer and stuff like that and for some reason, I'd always sort of avoided this album mainly because the cover just really yeah. threw me off for some reason when I exactly. saw it. And exactly, also for what Lonnie said before as well, where I had double platinum at the time, and when I looked at the back of Unmasked, none of those songs looked seemed familiar to me from the grade, from those from that album. So I thought, okay, well, what kind of record is this? You know, it kind of made me scratch my head there for a bit. Right now, I did like Dynasty to some extent. It wasn't really high on my list, but I thought it wasn't wasn't too bad. So in a way, when I looked at the date. I was hoping that it was going to be maybe along the same lines. So I went and got it. And at this point I had already been doing my internship at the recording studio. So I was really, really into the whole production side of stuff and listening to stuff. And the first thing that kind of made me sit back a bit was how really compressed and dry this record sounded. Like compared to like, remember I was listening to like Animal Eyes and these ones are nothing but reverb and delays all over the place and i thought like wow what the heck is this this almost sound like a rough demo in comparison like the the, just the sound of it but when i first slapped it on it gave me a bit of a roller coaster ride to be quite honest because is that you wasn't too bad it was a bit rocking so i thought okay this is not too bad but then shandy came on and i was like ee okay what's going on here right And then Talk To Me was good. you know. We had an Ace song, and at that point, I was kind of hip to Ace's stuff because I loved his solo record. So I was like, okay, great. So we got a good Ace song on here. Naked City wasn't too bad. I actually didn't mind that song. I thought it was unusually – the bass in the song was unusually loud in the mix, I found. But as I was going through the catalog through the years, I always found that Gene's songs that he wrote – his bass always seemed to be much louder in those songs. Like If you listen to anything that he's written and he has a credit for, his bass seems to be more predominant in those mixes than the ones that he's not in for some reason. Maybe it's just because he just oversees those mixes more than the other ones. But I just think that Unmasked is a pretty interesting album in the sense that while it has elements of Dynasty in it, it almost seems like, they they were trying to go for something a little bit different sonically, but it just didn't seem to work to, in my, to my ears. It's very dry, very compressed. It it's it has that little bit of that New York vibe that I that I get off of Dynasty, and I think Julian, you must have mentioned something about that as well. That it gave you a very New York feeling to it as well. But it it was a record that I just took a while t- for me to have it grow on me to the point of where. I can put it on now and listen to it maybe once every two weeks, like, and you know, and actually go out and grab a couple of different variations of the record without feeling bad about it, so to speak. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think as Kiss fans, any That's of us could guilty ever guilty for listening to it or, or or buying anything Kiss. I mean, when there's Hello Kitty and toilet paper, no guilt trips are ever allowed when purchasing anything with the Kiss logo on it. I think I'm kind of similar to you. In obviously, I became a fan in '85 ish, and going back through the catalog, I, I I don't recall exactly where it falls in, but I know like everyone. You know, Who's mentioned Double Platinum? It's the same sort of situation for me. It came after Double Platinum. I think I probably bought it pretty soon into collecting the catalog because of the cartoonish cover. And Love Gun and Destroyer had cartoonish covers and they were good albums. So I, I'm thinking of myself as a 14 year old and figuring it probably came somewhere along those lines. Um, again, you know, I'm going to echo the sentiment that it starts off promisingly with is that you and to me as an untrained musician back then i'd never even touched a guitar when i listened to it you know i liked the song simple as that that's that just appreciating on a level as someone who knows nothing doesn't play anything doesn't really analyze it you know it's before we started counting cymbal hits i guess on the kiss keyboard <laughs> board you know for songs so You know that that's a good song, but once Shandy hit, I was like, "Oh my God, what is this pap?" I mean, it is just not—it's not my style of music. And I know some people like Shandy, and fine, I do not. I don't want that sort of music. I want them to turn it up to eleven. But the the closest parallel I can really draw with Unmasked overall is that it's just so flaccid sounding. There's just no. Kind of get up in it that really gets you going, really gets you shaking your fist it's not rock it's anti rock in so many ways it's just so middle of the road and safe and, and what did they call it back then a o r yeah. so um, you know yeah. it, it's trying to cross over and be safe, whereas you know i'm I'm trying to think off the top of my head because obviously we haven't planned this topic out, you know some of the more generic kind of rock acts that were you know, safe and getting lots of airplay all over the place in 80s rather than the dangerous ACDCs and Priest. You know, there was plenty of just, like, filler. And, and that's how I look at a lot of this material and kind of place it in the catalog as this is Kiss's filler album. And obviously, seven years later, when we experience crazy nights, I have it's like déjà vu all over again. That you know, it's the same sort. It's the same sort of thing, the same sort of feeling that I get off both these albums. So for me, they're twins. I was listening to it this morning, just before we came on, and I'm like, you know, Naked City. That immediately jumped out at me. I love the bass work on there. And maybe, like Mark said, because it's more forward in the mix to take away from you actually hearing and being able to focus on Gene's lyrics, you get to listen to his bass more. I was like, yeah, you know, I like it. There's, there's a good swagger that goes along on some of the songs, so it, it's not a terrible album overall, but it's just diluted. Kiss light, you know. So yeah. Who wants to drink light biller? You know, light beer. You know, half the calories. Diet yeah, diet beer, diet kiss. <laughs> all right, let's let's jump into a couple of the songs here. Is that you? Unusual, Jared McMahon or Mac, Mac, whatever, because um, <laughs> he changes his name up all the time. Sometimes he's Jared Mac or all sorts of things. I, I always thought it was unusual that Kiss went outside and actually bought a song, and. As you start digging into the history, you find that that's not uncommon at all, that they'd done this plenty of times. They'd bought stuff from other bands. You know, King of the Nighttime World is a great example of Kiss going outside. So, is that you? Good? Bad? What's your thoughts on that? And should it have been a single rather than um, Shandy? So you look ready to pounce yeah
3: i i would think that is that you it's like we said it's it's a catchy song but it's it's um doesn't sound like a kiss song in my opinion but i think it's more i think it would have been more radio friendly than than shandy was and i don't don't know why and and looking at the tracks on here i don't know what would have been a great single on here because there's there's really not a whole lot to choose from single wise in my opinion maybe other than talk to me but they weren't going to throw eight. they weren't going to make an Ace Frehley song the lead single off off mm-hmm. of an album you know especially at that point in time so you know I, th- I think I would have gone with it, Is That You as a single over Shandy I think w- not that not that I think it would have made much of a difference maybe maybe a a little bit of a difference in, in album sales but I don't think it would have changed anything as far as promoters wanting the kiss tour or anything like that you know what i mean but i think exchange is just kind of an odd choice especially given you know look at you know if you put yourself in that time frame of 1980 that that's what kiss is releasing as their lead single off an album just seems like a a very strange and just horrible just horrible choice really in my opinion
0: yeah, they well, perf- they perform it live in concert, which is you know kind of odd
3: as yeah. well that it got and so And that's little. fine, but lead single off your new album?
1: Well, uh, you know, honestly, I, I think that Is That You is, is a good song. I like it. The one thing, though, I agree with Lonnie is that it doesn't sound very much like a Kiss song, and there's a good reason for that, because if you listen to the actual original song, it's not very different from the actual original. It's just Paul pretty much singing it now, Maybe there's a few things here and there change, maybe a word or something, but it it's essentially the same song, just recorded by Kiss and sung by Paul. I mean, that's why when I when I thought about it, a lot of these kind of covers or songs that they would buy and you know remake them into Kiss songs. I mean, the ones that work out well are the ones that they take and make them more into a Kiss song. You know, that when you listen to the original and go, okay, well this is, you know, maybe not. A complete 180 but there's definitely signs of kiss in here that that are in there that, are, that have taken away from the original that i like better you know and all the bands that do covers really well i think do that like a band that i really loved in the 90s that were really good with covers was typo negative they would take a, a song and it was a Beatles song and you would never know it was a beatle song because they would just totally redo it in their style and to me if you're gonna do a cover or take someone else's song and you want to make it your own, make it your own. you know. And I think that's what what's missing from this song if you want it to be more of a Kiss song. Now, with that said, I still like this song because I still think on its own it was a good song. Whether it should have been a first single, I would have preferred it over Shandy, to be honest, because I think it's more rockin' it would have sounded probably better on the radio than Shandy. Shandy sounds something like, you know, something that like REO Speedwagon or Air Supply or something. <laughs> there, would have, That's the one. That's uh, a band I was yeah. thinking of for my point earlier. Thank you. Yeah, so that, that would have released something like that, you know, and I think that was just a safe, safe release as a single. I mean, for me personally, I would have rather have taken Tomorrow. I think that's more of a upbeat song, much more a, a KISS-style song, and I think it would have appeased more of the harder core fans not totally but it would have been more up their alley than shandy for sure would have been
0: yeah shandy's just a you know way out there and we'll get to that one in a minute so that i can continue to rant about it but uh <laughs> you know the the cool thing with is that you is obviously it is a pretty straight cover of hit you know the demo and he shared that online i don't know if it's still up there but it's probably on youtube and it's got a fourth verse that kiss did not use that's pretty much the only difference between the two versions is that they did not use the the verse that talked about driving to high school and yeah it's probably a good idea to to have left that out ken thoughts on is that you and it's uh it's place
2: well is that you like i said it took a a few times to to kind of get a hold of that uh Song so. that to where I, you know, kind of enjoyed it more. Uh, the first time I listened to it, I didn't enjoy it that much. Uh, the very, I'm just saying, the very first time. But uh, like I said, it grew on me. Um, there are other songs on there, definitely. And I agree with Mark that Tomorrow, that was the first one that really hooked me. And that is the more radio friendly, has a good hook in it. Probably the
3: catchiest tune on the. On the yeah. Road. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I, I'm just looking at some of the charts from uh, the top 40 charts from May 79, and there's bands like, uh, well, all kinds of things on there. But the rock, more of the rock style was like Call Me by Blondie. Uh, they had Jay Giles band had something on there. Um, Billy Joel was on there. Um, so it was different kind of, of course. And then there were, you had Bee Gees and... And a lot of more disco still going on at that time, um, and I think it was about the end of disco, you know, uh, the last latter part of it. But um, yeah, tomorrow would have been the song for me. I, I would have never released "Is That You" as a single. Never. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: a, that's a good good point. Really, that I, I think if they had thought it through a little bit more, that they should have gone the route that had something a little bit more identifiable with. It identifiable with kiss then you know shandy is very unkiss for well your, for your first song off the for, if you're putting it out on radio it's going to be the first song
2: people hear from your new album yeah and if you're neil if if neil it was neil, neil boger still around at this time uh i think he was at the end of his time with Cas before he sold off casablanca or whatever <laughs> uh he you thought he would have had, picked something like tomorrow because Right. He was such a, More a sugar, candy-coated pop songs that he was associated with uh, earlier in his career. Uh, you know, He would have picked something like that and said, hey, I think this should go. But maybe he was, at that time, <laughs> too much dr- drugs going on at the time, <laughs> and everyone's just too happy partying.
0: I think by uh, that time, Neil Bogart's actually early stages of cancer. Oh, well, well. it could have been. So... Yes, that- there there are probably issues, but yeah, it probably fits into his kind of ballpark of you know the stuff that he'd
3: done
1: his strength sort of Mm-hmm. yeah,
3: lottie Shandy. already went oh shandy We're shandy. Sorry. shandy. um shandy, at least again, I think it's just an odd choice as as the lead single. I think it's, you know, just a poor choice. I mean, it's just, like you guys said, it's the first song you guys, first song the general public's gonna hear off your new album, and it it just leaves a bad taste in in somebody's mouth as far as, especially what's going on with rock at the time. It's like, this is what Kiss is doing? Well, you know, I, I heard the lead single off of ACDC's album. I If I'm gonna go spend money okay. on a record, I I I think that's what I'm gonna go buy. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, I can totally, especially, especially if you're like, like thirteen or fourteen at the time you're really like on a a fixed income because you're not you know the only money you're getting is from walking the dog or cutting the grass or something at the time you're not gonna go buy that if, you know, if your buddy has back in black and like oh well you know what i i I heard what kiss is doing I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go get that I really like that' a little better so I just think it's an I think it's a, it's a horrible choice as far as a marketing standpoint and I I don't know who was telling them what at the time that this is a good idea. That this is not only the direction you should go for what the album should sound like, but also this is what your lead single should be too. And I think it's just like two horrible decisions combined. It just you know, well, made, 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 made no sense for promoters who want a kiss tour, made album sales dreadful, and made kiss at the end of the day, reevaluate things. I think it was those two things combined, the single and well, the well, there's album. Well,
1: there's a few things, though, about that song, though, that, that I think has to be brought up. Number one, again, this not being a very Kiss-like song in a lot of ways, and I mean, the, the one thing that stands out for me about it is that there isn't really anybody from Kiss playing on it. I mean, there's just Paul Stanley. I mean, they had, you know, they had Paul's roadie, Tom Harper, play bass on it, you know, we all know Anton Fig played drums on it. I mean, didn't Pepe or somebody do backing vocals with him or something on it? And I mean, besides, it's just Paul. Paul's the only one on this song. So, I mean, if you want the vibe of Kiss on it, wouldn't you want at least them on there playing it with you? I mean, that that's that, that, that to me screams that maybe the other people in the band weren't too hip on the song. Maybe it was just Paul who dug it and they just went ahead and did it And because probably Vinnie liked it as well so they went ahead and you know he took over and said we're gonna re- we're gonna do this song and they just did it and i mean another thing that's interesting that lonnie was bringing up is that why they would want to release this song at that time when other bands like acdc and that were you know releasing what they were releasing i think the problem with kiss at that time was that they were pretty much trapped in their own world i think they just were in this bubble and thought that no matter what they did you know, people were gonna love it. They, did, it's like they almost didn't listen too much to what was going on at that point. It's like they, they were just, I think, amused, like almost like they were convinced that at that point that they just wanted to do what they did, and if they just did a repeat of Dynasty, that it would have similar results. Which I just don't think it obviously
0: did. I mean, it, it wasn't anywhere near as good, and the, the results were not as good. When your demographic drops to seven to thirteen, you, you're really Losing your options for the sort of material that you can put out there. This is almost like trying to appeal to the mothers of the seven to thirteen crowd, you know, so that yeah. so that they'll buy <laughs> the albums. It, it, it's almost like an act of desperation. I, I I am not a fan of Shandy. I've never been a fan of Shandy. I never will be a fan of Shandy. I do not like the song. I only have two positive things really to say about it. Number one, the Canadian single for this song is absolutely freaking cool. It's just a 45 and it's got the the center ring with the same print as the album so that makes it kind of unique and cool and interesting um so wow that's pretty shallow (laughs) the uh, the other thing obviously is the the video and it was kind of the first kind of uh, acted out sort of video the band had deliberately done and it is of course peter chris's final appearance with the band so, you know, it's kinda of poignant from that point of view. I I I love them putting on their street clothes at the end of the uh the video it's there yeah. and, and turning around and, you know, there they are in the makeup, you know, ha 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 unmasked. So, you know, it's it's a neat little video. It's not really stylistically that different from say, Sure know something or I Was Made for Loving You which were just performance pieces on the stage but it's got a little bit of something added in, you know, a little bit of mystery, like the, the, the groupie or fan trying to get a peek of them on mass. So that, you know, that's all I can really say about it. It, it. Not being there in 1980 doesn't give me the perspective to really analyze it on a level of what else was out there on the radio. So anything I would say would be completely kind of revisionist and just constructed from my perception of 1980. So
2: I don't see any point
0: saying anything other than don't like it. Ken.
2: Yeah. Um, Shandy, to me, that would have been a second or third single at the, at best off of this. I think what you do when you release a single, you go for the jugular and get them get the people hooked and yeah, at least to buy start, you know buy it and notice it. Um, and again, tomorrow would have been the, would have been the single. Um, and I was still looking at the, the charts. Pat Benatar was on there at the time, you know uh, that was probably more rocking than the Kiss album. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have went for more rocking. And again, they were, there was also a lot of new wave going on at the time, you know, with the cars and, and so on. So I, I would have been doing a lot more rock. I think what Shandy uh, is closest to that was on the charts at the time was something like Air Supply. Oh, that's, that's the other <laughs> I one. mean, yeah, you know what I mean? So... They're they're not air supply. I don't know. Maybe they were trying to do that market, hit that market or something. But of course it was a great single for Australia. Um but you know what? You can release different singles in different countries because countries like different they, you know, it's the same unit but they like different sounds uh at the time. They're not always you're not gonna always have the same number one here in the United States and same in uh, you know, England. Um we like our music different than there's Oh, there's something about it. Uh, I don't know what it is, but, you know, it's sort of an example is Crazy Nights uh, did well in England and and not here. Um, Do you have to remind...
0: I mean, that's just twisting the knife, Ken. Thanks. <laughs>
2: well, no, I'm not, I'm not... I have to say it's different. They like it a little bit different. I don't know what it is. It's growing up with a certain... Uh, on the radio li- to certain music, I think you get accustomed to a different style, but I... I don't know. But a good song is a good song. It should be a hit anywhere. Uh, if it's that good, it's going to be a hit anywhere.
0: Yeah, I was actually around England when Chris, uh, Crazy Nights was a hit, and I was just shaking my head. I was like, I'm not a Kiss fan. This is bullshit. So you're, yeah. This is, not uh, that. Um, so you yeah, had
2: more of an American mentality.
0: Then. Yeah, I'd become Americanized by <laughs> then anyway. So, um, you know, getting getting back to one thing that I think we do need to mention is, you know, Phonogram had taken over. This was the first album for KISS signed a phonogram. Um, so that does play a part in it. I was reading some documents that they actually had focus groups listening to the album and, you know, picking out the songs that they thought were gonna do best and this really? was actually one of them. So maybe it is because of the European perspective. You know, that that was the Dutch masters at that point were really starting to take control of Casablanca and its roster and making changes and here is their first piece of you know KISS vinyl really to promote and they're starting to contract all of the you know the, the label down into their control so I think that probably plays quite a bit of a part in how the album was promoted the singles that were picked that, you know, the phonogram was possibly saying, well, you know, it's a nice, safe song. It's, you know, our our 25 ladies who listened to it really liked it a lot and thought it was cute. So let's make that the single. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, I'd have to dig those documents up because it was actually a pretty, a pretty good read about how they did come up with the single choice. And the songs that they like the most from the album are probably the ones, as rock fans, that we like the least. So I I, I think that's a clash there, that it's the European perspective being promoted in America, which is why it failed horribly. Mm -hmm. Next song.
2: Talk to Me. Talk to Me,
0: Ace Frehley. So released as a single in certain markets, as you suggested, Ken. Certain markets got certain songs, and this was one. I mean, it went top forty in Germany, France, Switzerland, and Australia. Yeah. So good for you, Space Man. I can't stand that song. I just think it's really lame. I really, like, I like it musically. I just don't like the lyrics. You know, it, it's let's have a conversation. Come on, no, no. Ace lyrics. You know. a- no, it, it's not even that because sometimes Ace's lyrics are really quirky and fun. This one. Yeah. Doesn't have any of that for me, so uh, talk me
3: down, Lonnie. I think "Talk to Me" I think could have been of of your choices that are out there. I think "Talk to Me" would have been the, in my opinion, the best choice as the lead single off the album, and I think it would have given maybe the public a different perspective. Like, oh, listen to this; it's an Ace Frehley song's a lead. You know, it would have been an Ace Frehley song a lead single off the album. You know, maybe it, it would have given a different vibe f- for the album to the average listener as opposed to as opposed to shandy i think it's a catchy tune i think it could have been you know i don't I, again i don't i'm not saying it would have resulted in a u.s tour or promoters would have started booking kiss you know across the united states or anything like that but i think it it could have been better for the album in general had he had an ace Frehley song as the lead single but you know egos aren't weren't going to allow that to happen. So I but but I think it would have been a much better choice and a more interesting choice to say the least than than Shandy. I think it's a fun song.
0: Yeah. And you know, I will say one good thing about it and that's the uh the West German what is it, rock pop or or whatever it was. When it was before, yeah. lip-synced yeah. on TV, that is cool. That's neat. But uh, the song itself, I don't need a little bit of conversation. No. Just a word that rhymes with infatuation. Okay, Mark, <laughs> what's your what's your take on it?
1: Well, I mean, I've always kind of liked the song, to be honest with you. I mean, coming from more of a guitar player perspective, I thought it was a it was something that the record desperately needed, as, as far as something a little bit more rock and rollish. And I mean, it was interesting, too, that it was one of those songs that was uh, different in the sense that he plays open G tuning on the song, where he doesn't have a sixth string, the low E on his guitar at all. It's off and just tuned to an open G, very much like the Rolling Stones do for like, he starred me up and all that stuff. So it has very much a Rolling Stones vibe to it, if you listen to it. And I mean, if you think about it, 2000 man was just before this right so on dynasty so Mm -hmm. his rolling stone phase was probably in high gear at this point and i mean also if i'm not mistaken two sides of the coin is the same thing he did that same same open tuning with that as well so he's he was really in that kind of you know uh keith richards kind of you know telecaster open g tuning phase at this point and it, it you know what i mean. It could have been worse. He could have got more into an Ario speedwagon phase and made it even worse for us, right? So I'd rather that he go into a Rolling Stone, you know, thing than that, right? I mean, at least he—he's always, in my opinion, kept the rock in Kiss. Ace. I mean, I'll give him that, you know. I mean, throughout the times when they were experimenting and weaving and going all over the place, he—he he, he wanted to stay on a rock boat and he did. And this song is very much a great example of that.
0: Do you think it's possible that he was just too lazy to retune his guitar from 1979? <laughs> <laughs> here's, a, here's the guitar. quite possible. <laughs> <You
1: know. laughs> well, I mean, it, it, it is it is interesting, though. I mean, because if you think about it, Paul kept his guitar tuned standard, and he was the only one who did that, which is very much a Stones thing as well. One guy kept it in standard, and the other guy, you know, Keith would do it in his open G tuning, or various different open tunings he would use Keith Richards. I mean, but this is the one time I know that he did that on a record. I don't think he's went back to that uh, when he was with Kiss, at least. So,
0: Yeah, and, and you know what's cool is, you know, I think for both Dynasty and Unmasked is that Ace just has so much confidence with uh, his singing, his playing. It you know, it, it, it does add something to the mix and you, you really get like a transformation of these two albums in particular, but mostly unmasked that Ace is more of a figure on the album. He's more of a force of yeah. his own. So Absolutely. Ken, your takes on Talk to Me
2: before we move on. Yeah, Talk To Me I like the song. I mean it's a good song. Uh I wouldn't say it's the one of the greatest songs of Kiss, but uh it was good enough and you know, it grew on me I thought it was a little goofy. Um uh, which sometimes ace is a little goofy on his, his songs and his lyrics, but uh it's a good good little catchy song. It's ace, you know, it's his ace style. Um and like Lonnie said, uh could have released it as a single I guess. Maybe uh, to me it'd be maybe a second single or something like that. Uh, you might have got some of the people that liked um New York Groove said, Hey, that sounds like the same guy that was singing that, you know, New York Groove song that I like so much. Uh, could have brought in some more fans. Uh, I don't know, possibly. But it's it's an okay song, and I enjoy it. I don't skip it.
0: One of the highlights of the 2001 Farewell Tour, of course, being brought mm. back into the set with Eric Singer. So, there you, go. you yep. know, very cool from that perspective. And I remember back in 2001 when those bootlegs started circulating, I was, like, really excited to hear it even though oh, yeah. the, even though the song had never really done much for me. Just because it was something different at that point. By, by, yeah, by <laughs> yes. that point, you were just so different. desperate I. for anything. So, yeah. you know, that, that was really neat. Let's move into Gene and Naked City, which, I mean, has so many different co-writers on it. I mean, Bob Kulik, Pepe Castro, and Vinny all contribute to this song. And I think it, of all the songs on the album, because of what we've heard about the demo for this, this is one of the demos that I want to hear the most um, from from this period. A great anticipation because, you know, by all intents, it's supposedly quite a bit different than what was eventually done. I, I think Bob has gone on record and saying that Kiss totally ruined the song. So I, I want to know why. I want to, I want to be able to judge that yeah. for myself. Love to hear it. I think it's a really cool song. And it goes back to what Mark says about uh, – you know Gene's bass being more in your face, higher up in the mix, and very much noticeable. I I just think it's a, a fun song. I mean it's it's you know it's it's Gene. It's not really going into Gene territory in terms of um, kind of like the demon side, but it's maybe it's a little bit more carnivorous for his uh, kind of appetites. It's just fun. I I like the vibe. I like the the style of the song. So it's always been one of those ones that I do actually enjoy quite a bit of, and I know it's. Not that much different from some of his kind of bad songs, but what the hell, one of my guilty pleasures, I suspect.
2: Ken? Yeah, Naked City is probably, it, it could be my favorite song off the album, really. I mean, I really enjoy that song. I love it. I uh, always liked it. It's different from your normal Gene type of song uh, before then. Um, but man, it's just, the whole thing is just just works. and And his singing... Like I said, I think I said it before in a past podcast that I thought that is probably his best vocal on record. One of his best vocals ever on on record. Um, really, really just goes all out on it. And uh, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, a, it's just a good song. It's not single. It's not like a single that you would put out. But it's a good, great album track, uh, in my opinion. And, and I have nothing bad to say about it. Good song.
0: Yeah, it's a good B-side, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and I just looked it up quickly. The demo was cut uh, with Meatloaf's vocalist, Carlo DeVito. Oh, really? Um, singing as uh, well <laughs> on it. So, you know, another reason to want to hear it. Mark, what's your take on Naked City?
1: Well, like I said earlier, this this song is something. It's a song that I really like. And, I mean, like I said, it stood out right away because of how it kind of stood out from bass guitar-wise there, how it really, really... Was very pronounced more than on other songs on the on the record, and I mean, it, it's it's another thing too that uh, that uh, Ken brought up that I thought was interesting is that it does definitely have one of Gene's better vocals that he's oh. done. I mean, he he really stretches himself. I mean, he goes high up there in some of those spots, which which is something that you don't hear him do too often on an on a record, you know, and it's one of those situations where it's it's a it's one of these deep album cuts this song but it's one of those ones where i think that people really grew to like it because it was something a little out of the box for gene i mean you were just expecting the typical you know sleazy kind of you know sleeping with the woman or this and that kind of lyrics and this was a little different in that sense that it wasn't so so easily you know like easily so easy to read what he was talking about i mean sure it's along the same lines but it wasn't so primitive right it's 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 good i mean i really like it and i'm i'm also very curious to see what was changed from the original demo to this because i i think that a lot of the guitar playing is really good on this and i wanted to i'd like to know if it was more guitar oriented in the original version or what like what changed on it i mean because i think that it's pretty much as rocking as maybe something like talk to me it's very very gutsy and there's lots of guitars in it and stuff i think it, i think it's good I, i'm I'm curious to hear what was different about the demo
0: yeah bob versus ace again so yeah that'd be an interesting perspective <laughs> lonnie what's your take on it
3: it's a good song i like um naked city i don't it really showcases Gene as far as the bass playing and as far as, as vocally goes. You know, the prominent is the bass guitars in the song. Um, whereas, like, Is That You and Shandy, like we discussed, were really basically Paul Stanley songs. And then you have the Ace Frehley with Talk To Me. And then you finally get um, a song that really, not only Gene sings, but showcases Gene as, as a musician. So, um and there's basically three members of, of Kiss at this point, so all three members really are showcased within the first four songs of the album. So, um, I, I really, it's it's decent. Um, one of my more favorite tracks on the album. I'm not a big fan of the album, but of you know of what they choose from, this is up there with with Talk to me is one of my more favorite songs on the album. It's it's good.
0: Then we, I think we close out side one with What Makes the World Go Round, Paul Stanley, which you know. For me, it's you're finally getting a Rocking Paul song of his own. So, you know, th- this goes back to again to the, like so many things with me, back to the beginning of my history with Kiss with, you know, g- getting into the band in 85. I had started collecting by this point. And, it, you know, on one of my trips to England to visit family, I went to a record store and they had the single, which in the UK has Ace enveloped in smoke on the front. And it's, it's a very cool picture sleeve. And... For that reason, the song has probably become one of my more favorite on the album than it really deserves to be musically, because let's put it this way, it really isn't the finest bit of Paul Stanley. Um, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it doesn't live up to what I remember it being and why I seem to recall liking it so much when I was a teenager. Nowadays, I'm like, oh, okay, meh. It's Skip. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's on the kind of I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll level for me, that it's a decent poppy rock song, but it really doesn't keep attention. So,
3: you know, decent song. Let's go straight back to you, Lonnie, on that. You know, it's like you said, it's a decent song, and it's and it's okay, but it's more like, like I was interrupted you, and I said it's just more of like, kind of like, eh, just kind of skip this one when it comes on. I mean, it's, it's okay, but Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound like a broken record here, but I mean you go back to what else was going on in on the rock scene at the time and what makes the girl go round by Paul Stanley like, eh, It's okay, but it again, it doesn't sound like a Kiss song to me. You know, it it's an okay song, but it's just not it's not what I want out of KISS. Yeah, who, or said, out of R- Paul who said
0: who said Ario Speedwagon earlier? <laughs> exactly.
3: Yeah. It's, exactly. Just, <laughs> it's just not It's not what I'm looking for when I when I'm laying down my money to go buy a Kiss record, especially if it was 1980 and other exciting things are going on. With I mean, we mentioned Judas Priest, we mentioned ACDC, Van Halen at the time too. I mean, Mm -hmm. and Kiss is releasing "What Makes the World Go Round." It's fine. I don't. I don't hate the song, but it's just like, well, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I just don't get what they're trying to do. Honestly,
1: I think that this song is a victim of Vinnie Poncia. This is one of those songs I get the feeling that he had his fingers in a little bit more than the songs we just talked about before because, like, especially in that middle break where that keyboard part is did de, that, that to me just screams Vinnie Poncia all over it, like those kind of little breakdown parts because they were never in Kiss songs prior to this, you know? So I I always explain that the keyboard's in my mind, come from him. I mean, even in those little commentary parts yeah. on Kissology, where Gene's saying that, you know, the keyboards were in there and that they, they fit the music, but obviously he, he brought those in. It was his idea. He wanted to bring it in there. He wanted to put that kind of stuff in it. And, you know, I guess in his eyes, he was trying to push maybe Kiss down that sort of. AOR AREO Speedwagon sort of thing. Because don't don't kid yourself. Those guys were selling a lot of records Rio Speedwagon, oh, yeah. believe it or not. Oh, so sure. I mean so of course, you know, in their eyes, they're thinking, you know, Ching Ching, maybe if we come up with something similar to that, we'll we'll be able to cash in as well. Because I mean, you know, they were starting to get into a little bit of financial disarray at this point too, right? So
0: well, it's not like money wasn't an issue on their brains at this point, right? Mm-hmm no they they yeah. just signed a very good contract for sure, but uh you know here here 's an interesting thing you listen, and obviously not everyone can, so I apologize. You listen to the original demo of Crazy Crazy Nights and you compare it with the song on the album, and you 're like, "Holy shit, Nevison completely polished all of the guts and life out of that song because the demo is just so far superior it 's still got leather it's still got it 's still got balls it hasn 't been neutered you know i I wonder if what makes the world go round is a good example of this with Vinnie Poncia doing the same yeah. thing that Nevison later did polishing all of the attitude out of it and just leaving it so decaffeinated that it's you know got half the calories half
3: the character you know just <laughs> bring up Poncia and, like, and Peter didn't even play on the record why why go back to the Poncia well at that point in time because they always say that they brought in Poncia to appease you know, Peter for the dynasty album. Well, and then he didn't play on 95% of it. Well, why go back to the Vinny Ponzi well again? Because you're, you're not trying to please Peter at this point. He's not even playing on the album he didn't play mostly on the last album. They may, oh, well, they, go may back.
0: they may have committed to him in the process. Yeah, maybe, they, don't, maybe they did don't forget a two record deal with him. I don't know. Yeah. When it comes to 1980 and the clock ticking over from 79, you know, obviously Peter hit this, hit the studio no, no, I'm thinking the wrong year. But uh, you know, they may well have had it all scheduled, and they had things scheduled out so long in advance sure. that they may have had no choice. But that's the reason I really want that Poncia interview that I've been trying for for 15 years. <laughs> you know, and, that's one of you, my questions.
1: Yeah, but you know what? Too, if you think about it, why did they go back to him? I mean, if you think about it, "I Was Made for Loving You" was the first gold single they had in how long? Okay. Number two, if you look at Dynasty and you look at the charts, the world charts of where that album landed on their the on the charts, it did well in a lot of countries. So I'm sure Phonogram probably turned around and said, Hey, you know this record did pretty well, maybe not in the United States maybe as well as but in a lot of other markets that Phonogram has their fingers in it did good. So we want more of that. So maybe they just figured that he would get more of the same going back to him. But it could be also what what, what uh, Julian said, maybe they signed for two albums to do it with him. It's not unheard of, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with you, Mark. Uh- I had the same thoughts about it. It's like they they kept him around because I was made for love, and you did so well, and and Dynasty overall did well uh, on the charts, and they thought, well, maybe this is the direction we need to go. They went, you know, hard rock or just rock on Dynasty, and then they went to more of a AOR, you know, I would say, you know, hard. Hard pop rock or whatever you want yeah. to call it, to, uh, on unmasked. Um, so the, I think that was the reason there. Um, as for this song, "What Makes Rogue Around, uh, wasn't one of the songs that, you know, that took a little longer to, you know, grow on me. Uh, I still, it's not one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, Paul Stanley's using his falsetto stuff in the song and and that sort of thing, and uh, it's okay unlike Julian said it compares to you know whatever the other song was So from <laughs> uh, Psycho Circus um, but yeah it's okay song not bad not great just you know in the middle
0: he's practicing his falsetto for just a boy
2: exactly, it's getting it ready and And the the oath,
0: but yeah that's that's a great point, going back to the producer choice, I guess, phonograms looking at it from a worldwide perspective because Dynasty had had a lot of you know, international success and, you know, Shandy gets a lot of international success as well I mean, look at where it did well, New Zealand, Norway Holland, Germany, Australia Austria, you know, everywhere except America so, obviously a lot of those markets do not have tremendous amount of record sales but you know, it did sell, what is it, quarter of a million copies in Australia. So, more power to them for that for that market. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is the perfect pop song on that album for me. It's yeah. probably if I'm gonna pick a, song, a favorite song today from Unmass, I'm gonna pick Tomorrow. It's just pop perfection. You know what? What is it? Uh, you know, Ken Sharp writes the uh, the the power pop. You know, book yeah. series, and this is just Kiss in power pop mode doing it, yeah. it with a perfectly executed song. Was not a hit single anywhere. Uh, you know, I think it only charted in Germany. It didn't do a thing in America. Lonnie,
3: take on. But I think it's tomorrow. exactly what they were looking for. It is like it is the it is the the template of what they were trying to achieve on that album for tomorrow. That's what tomorrow is, in my opinion, you know, it's the catchy poppy song. Um that maybe you know that they were looking for and why maybe why they showed maybe why they went with ponce again like like you guys mentioned because they did have success with "I made for loving you which is catchy so tomorrow it, it's catchy it's this first song off on the second side maybe they when they recorded it they thought yes this is this is what we're looking for you know th- this is the vibe that we're going for for this album You know whether you agree with what they were trying to achieve or not, but that's that's what they were looking for. And you know, I mean, Love Gun was the first song on side two, Love Gun. So I mean, they put Tomorrow, and that's exactly what they were looking for. So, and it's a catchy song. Don't get me wrong; it's does is it what I'm looking for in a kiss song? No, probably not. But it's a decent track. You know, if I'm just playing, just playing a random you know slot of music, but is it a kiss song? Am I? I mean, is it? Obviously, it's a kiss song, but I mean, does it sound like what you want a kiss on to sound like? No, probably not. It's a little too catchy, but but it's a decent it's a decent song. And but like I said, I think it's a template of what they were looking for with Vinnie Pancia at the time.
0: Yeah, better than Shandy, and probably I think would have made a better choice <laughs> as the first single. So. I think we've said that about every song. I think <laughs> it would have been a better choice. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of easy. Shandy's Shandy for me is an easy target. So, Mark, your take on tomorrow.
1: Well like I said earlier I think that this is probably one of the best songs on the on the record I mean it's as far as Paul goes he always seems to deliver one masterpiece on each Kiss record at least right and this is definitely his standout track on this album I mean everything about it is just right the guitars are good the like the drumming is good I mean funny though I found that this is one of those songs where when listening back to it, I was a little scratching my head about it because it did seem a little out of Peter Chris's box in some parts where he was drumming doing things that I just didn't really see him doing much on prior songs but it wasn't it didn't stand out too much There is a song later that I'll bring up that was definitely a red light to me but anyways uh but this song is great i it's he he sings good i mean to me this is this was Asana should have been the first single, and why it wasn't is just, you know, who knows why. But it it it's well done, well played. And the only gripe I have of it is that maybe it could have used a teensy hair more balls on the guitar tone side. But other than that, I think I wouldn't have done anything different with the song. I think it's good. The the harmonies are fantastic. I mean, I don't have a bad thing to say about this song.
0: Yeah, works well with Vinny, works well with the band. I'm pretty sure Gene has a role in this song as well with uh moth to the flame sorts of things. That just strikes me <laughs> straight out of one of his yeah, uh, his, his books oh, Yeah. Ken, your take.
2: Yeah, um, like everyone else, you know, it's it should have been the first single. It's it's a great catchy song. Um when I listened to first listened to an album or one of their albums, uh, uh I believe when I first listened to this one, that was the first song that popped out at me um listening to the whole album i said this one's a really good song uh and i probably thought at the time that you know it should be released as a single um and then other songs take longer to grow on you you know usually three with three listens to a whole album you know what you what are the good songs and and what are the okay songs by that time but when you listen to an album for the first time or a song for the first time and it gets you right away you know it's a good song and and that's way that's the way tomorrow is
0: yeah and so so unmask really starts out a little bit of hmm meh 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 oh finally tomorrow okay (laughs) you know it's like you say the one that first jumps out of you then we get into another a song and that's two sides of the coin and no again come on
3: it's on greatest kiss come
0: on yeah, so <laughs> so it's Plasticaster, isn't it? So is what?
2: I Finally Found My Way or one of those songs? Yeah, so I uh, again, no,
0: again I know. you know, m- more Ace on this album is not necessarily a great thing. It's not a terrible song. I just find it, it it's lacking. It, it's just lacking Ace's humor, I, I guess. It's just tr- trying a little bit too hard. I find it substandard. Never been a favorite song in any way. This is, you know, skip bait for me. It's just filler. So, Lonnie, you're nodding. So you yeah, don't. I was really
3: con- I br- I bring up the Greatest Kiss thing, but I I remember buying <laughs> Greatest Kiss. Um, I was a senior in high school and looking at, it, I was like, why is that on there? That doesn't who picked these songs to be on there? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, I understand that you know they were doing the when it, when Greatest Kiss came out in the, in, in the uh, in the U.S. They were doing the Lost Cities tour, and I understand that they wanted something out there to you know, for promotion purposes, whatever. But the song to me, um, never stood up in my opinion. And, and I love Ace Frehley, but I mean, that song is just, it's, it seems like it's incomplete or it's just like an idea that Ace had. And Ace wanted to get another song on the album and, and it just, this is it. Yeah. Wasn't but, able to finish
0: it. Cause he had a card game to get to correct. So <laughs> it, was,
3: it just seems like it just, it just seemed like, I don't know. It, it, it seems to me like it'd be like a undiscovered Ace Frehley demo is two sides of the coin, not not a an Ace Frehley song on on a Kiss album. To me, it's just it's really odd and just
1: you not, know now what now you're
3: expecting. Go ahead. You know
1: what you know what you brought it up earlier, Julian. Lazy Ace, mm. that's what this is because I mean basically it's just talk to me part two in my eyes because it's exactly the same sort of structure the same, same sort of tuning too. yeah there's it's just he like i said he was probably so engulfed in his rolling stones phase that he actually literally just copied himself into two songs around that idea it almost it seemed like he goes hey hey currently have a great idea for a song let's do an open g tuning song and just did it twice you know what i mean like I totally think that's what happened. Is like he had an idea.
3: He didn't. Like he didn't the first get... one so much. He did it again.
1: Yeah, exactly. I bet you that's what happened. <laughs> you know, and he just got it because it basically the vibe of it is very much the same. It's just the only difference is that rhythmically he does a little bit of a few different things at the top, and other than that, it's just pretty much a straight rock song through the rest of it, right? And it's it's just. Like to me, like a brother sister song. Talk to me in this. It's Come on, just get mad,
3: Mark. Come on. You know, it's, <laughs> it,
1: it, it's, it's 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 all right. I mean, it's it's definitely not as bad as you know the song we're gonna cut to next. But it's you know he could have did better. I think if he would have sat down and thought about it more, he could have turned this into a much better song than
0: it ended up being. So, what you're really saying is this is Ace imitating a c d. c writing the same song over and over again. <laughs> yes. <Yes. On> the- ACDC
3: <laughs> from out of nowhere
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, it's I- his back in black
2: <laughs> God <laughs> Ken. Uh, yeah ace uh I think this song would have been a lot better if it had stronger the verses, the part of the song the, all the verses and the music for the verses the 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 chorus is okay. Really, the chorus is not bad. Mm-hmm. But it's all those verses, uh, and it's a lot of it's the lyrics. <laughs> I think it's just uh, really, really weak on it. Uh, Could have done better uh, on the verses. But it's an okay song. He was doing good from his solo album. He had a bunch of great songs. Dynasty, they're they're good, and they kind of, you know, they're going. And and then the beginning of this album, it's good. But you're a little drop-off. You're seeing the drop-off here. And then, you know, and then I think, you know, the next next time out, you know, he only get one song off of maybe the elder. So he, he ran out of songs uh, or ideas or he got, Find like you said, he got lazy. lazy. He, got lazy. he <laughs> got lazy. He's like, I'm not right. I already wrote all those songs. I can't. I'm tired of writing.
0: Yeah. For, for uh, me. I mean, he had already had his high point. His Zenith is save your love which is just one That's of my all-time all favorite KISS songs, no matter what. This stuff doesn't come close, um, you know.
2: Like, Hard Time's better,
0: though. though. Yeah, I, I mean, both are good. You <laughs> know, Two Sides of the Coin, though, it needs better music and better lyrics. <laughs> yeah.
2: it's That's yeah, a lot. It's, <laughs> yeah. It needs to be, It's like uh, Mark it's said, it's more of like a demo. Yeah,
0: it or it needed, a you know... Obviously, it's credited only to Ace. It needs a co-writer. It needs someone yeah. else's perspective. Someone to help finish yeah. it. someone's perspective. It's got some good parts in there. There, it's not. All, you know, it's certainly not all rubbish. It's just it needs something. It needs some seasoning. Yeah. Let's get into something that nothing can help. Um, she's a European. Yeah, a couple of those left. Yeah. Now we're into. You know, <laughs> now we're into some clunkers uh, because she's a European. It's just so obnoxious. I. Oh. You know I. Oh that's the yeah that's a German yeah the German TV and I always forget which one it is I shouldn't but I whatever
1: rock rock plaster rock something
0: yeah a rock Palast.
1: yeah that's it
0: that's 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 really cool that, again that's a great just cool video great bit of video but you know the song is just on a, mute yeah it's great yeah on mute it's great <laughs> <laughs> so she's so european all I'll say is it's just pompous it's just gene you know, really, I guess, taken with himself in his life at that point. And it does not make a good song that resonate resonates with a 14-year-old. And the 44-year-old version of me, it doesn't resonate well with either. Nice. So, you know, sorry. <laughs> Bomb. Ken, we'll go straight back to you on that one.
2: Well, I actually enjoy the song. <laughs> I really enjoy it. I enjoy it, but I don't think it's the greatest song he's ever written or anything like that. Uh, I don't know. I, I find it kind of catchy. For me, it's a look catchy little song, and uh, it's okay. Lyrics are kind of reaching, and you know, it doesn't make much sense. Um, and it's a it's a step down from charisma, obviously. Um, but uh, I I enjoy it. Okay, it's not a great song. I'm in the middle on it. I'm okay with it, uh, but I don't I don't hate it at all.
3: I think Julian said it really well with it's just Gene's as like at the at the peak of his pompous <laughs> attitude you know what i mean it's the, the lyrics are as cheesy as they get for a gene song and there and there are some cheesy gene lyrics out there but you know the, the verses the, you know he just sleeps on our brass bag because their parents are still away and it's just like <laughs> you no, know, don't get me wrong, you know, I like I like a good cheesy kiss lyric, but that's just bad.
1: That's you just know, it's stale like, stale good It's like you're not
3: even trying, exactly. It's stale. It's like you're not even trying. You're just like the first thing that comes to your mind, oh this is good <laughs> You know?
0: You know, one thing that I've like, always thought about is was he with Diana Ross at this point? I think so, isn't that about and, right? Might have been and is this kind of a song about Diana that She obviously didn't come from money and all that, but had airs and graces that people have uh, recounted in many Mm. an interview of having to refer to her as Miss Ross. And I wonder, is there kind of a a little bit of a parallel about fake people um, who forget where they come from? So that's just, I don't know whether it is, maybe it's reading too much into it, but... Mark. it's
1: possible it's possible but i mean th- this song to me i can only just use one word shocking i mean it uh, as a gene I'm, song this is he's, not he's what talking. i ex- <laughs> i just no, don't never expected this from him i mean the amount of keys on it is just something that i just couldn't understand i mean he just doesn't seem like a keyboard kind of guy for his music and on top of that it just seems like this is one of those situations where we all know that Gene writes like sixty songs a day and maybe one of them are good but uh, I, he he was probably in the studio because you look at the amount of songs that are on this record he's only he 's only on three of these songs as
3: a writer Tell you how much crap he must have been really writing yeah. the time.
1: But, but, the, but, but that's but that 's my point is I think they they kind of turned around and said you know if you want if you want in on this, you have to produce something, and he probably just went into his little black book of garbage just picked out something right away and pretty much forced his, forced his way onto the record. He probably wanted, you know, because, you know, songwriting royalties are, you know, something that every writer wants. So, of course, he's going to try to push himself on there. And, of course, he probably didn't have the greatest material at that point. So he just picked something and put it on there and they worked on it. And that's what became She's So European. But it just doesn't sound like anything that should they should have focused on. I just don't know why... Vinnie didn't ax that song seriously.
0: Yeah, and then they make it the B side to Shandy, which for those people Doesn't who bu- which which for people who are buying the singles before they bought the album is just exactly. like... You know, exactly no it. reason why I'm not going to buy that album. Yeah, I'm not dropping eight ninety eight or maybe they've gone up to nine ninety eight by then. After it's like oh shit, got away with buying a single and I don't have to buy the album now. Thanks a lot. Yeah. You know. <laughs> um, next next song, I, I guess we're. This is another one of my guilty pleasures because I just really love the vibe of this song, but again, I think it's one that needs work. So it's like an unfinished Paul Stanley song. But is there anything such as that according to Paul? You know, he's always said that we don't record anything unless I think it's you know perfect, (laughs) perfect for his songs. Yeah. But, but for this one, it, it just never did. But it's got a great swagger, and that's the only word I can really think of to to go with it um, musically, that I, I just really dig. It always comes on, and I start bopping my head. You start, you know, the shoulders start going uh, for me. You know, so, so it obviously works musically.
1: This This song reminds me of one thing. I'll just say this really quickly, is that the very first time I heard this song, it sounded like a song that should have been in one of those John Travolta disco movies. Yeah. The very first time I heard it, I thought I was like, wow, it should have been one of those things where in the club and he's like, hey, baby. You know, he's trying to come on to his women and that should be playing in the background. Like totally would fit in like a John Travolta movie.
3: Lonnie. Easy as it seems. Gosh, it's... I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree with you, Julian. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't start bopping my head or swinging my shoulders when I hear "Easy as It Seems." I, I hit the next button when I hear "Easy as It Seems." It's, okay, so you don't start banging your head against the table. So it's not. Well, I, I, I swiftly. I swiftly move for the for the next button when I hear that. It's it's like you said. It sounds very unfinished in my opinion. It sounds very just it's it's like a lost song on that album i don't even think about easy as it seems when i think about unmasked really i mean i was sitting here thinking what's next and i was actually getting ready to talk about torpedo girl i forgot oh yeah easy as it seems is on there still we haven't talked about that it's just like a i guess because i skip it all the time i don't listen to it It just it doesn't do anything for me um it's it's, it's just like a lost song to me you said it's like an unfinished song and i just I blow it off every time I, I hear it. I, I it doesn't
0: do anything for me at all. Okay, Ken. Does Sorry. easy as it seems, make,
3: <laughs> does it make you run for your safe
2: room? No, I I don't like. It. I think it's one of my <laughs> it's probably in my top five songs on the album. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I think it's a. I always thought it was a good song, and uh, like Jillian says, it kind of yeah. It it has a groove and it's it's good. I, I don't. I don't discount it at all. It's a good song, solid song. And I don't even think it's in a demo type thing. I think it's finished and it's a good song.
0: Yeah. In the same way that naked city and tomorrow are different as kiss songs, that's where it kind of goes for me that it's, it goes against the grain of your normal sort of kiss material. And it's adequately done while I've said, there's some things that I think could be better on it. You know, it's, it's different enough and well enough executed being different that it's not a read my body sort of different so that that's just the way i look at it then we get into the humor or the attempted humor of torpedo girl which as a torpedo i i liked this song a lot more when i was 14 than i do now i always liked it. I, I looked forward to it coming on when i'd play my cassette tapes because i wasn't going to fast forward through anything when i was 14 um Torpedo Go was just fun, but now I'm like, um, no. It Has, you know, hasn't held up well for me.
1: I'll, I'll tell you, as I was mentioning earlier, this is the song where I had the whoop, whoop, whoop the red <laughs> alert came on. This is not Peter Chris drumming, okay? This was so out oh, of yeah. his style of drumming, I was like, wait a minute, what the hell's going on here? There's no way that Peter Chris would do his kind of a shuffle beat with the hi hat going still and on the right like it was just way too much for him to compute, I thought, this beat. <laughs> and the the whole bass line with it too was kind of like it was interesting. I could see Gene doing it. But I totally think this is an Ace Freely thing. I think Ace did the bass, did the guitar, did everything besides the drums, I think, on this song. He's he sang it. I think it was just like a I think it was like a leftover from his solo sessions. I mean, thank God he didn't put it on his solo record because it would have been the total stinker of the record for sure. But it's I think it's just his attempt at trying to put something humorous that he thinks is humorous on here kind of like an inside joke that maybe him and Anton only probably kind of clued in on who this torpedo girl was, right? But it's, it's interesting. It's not like a typical kind of kiss song. It's a little bit more riffy. It has some interesting little guitar parts in it, but it's definitely, like you said, no gem. It's no, you know, save your love or anything like that. But, you know, it's, it has some great drumming. If you're a good, if you're a drummer,
0: definitely check this song out. I think he this is one of the songs it, it just feels like one that he would have been dicking around with joe renda at Northlake, doing you know the crazy joe crap you know uh, <laughs> you know uh, eugene yeah. torpedo girl it just strikes me as coming from there you know and you know john Regan would probably want to ask about that ken your, your take on torpedo girl
2: yeah when i first listened to it i thought i did i, I don't think i cared for it that much when i first listened to it but over time, over all the years, I actually enjoy it now more than I did back then when it first came out. Um, but um, it's yeah, it's not one of his better written songs. Um, it's it's it has a good, interesting you know groove to it, um, but it doesn't really you know grab me and want me to listen to it you know over and over or something like that. Um, it's just an okay, okay A song. You know, it's nothing nothing to scream about.
3: And Lonnie, it's your favorite song on the album, right? yeah, well, it's not bad, actually. It's better than easy as it seems. It's it's really not that bad, in my opinion. It's not that bad. But it, it's I, I was playing it in the car one day. I was in the car with my wife one day. And I was playing it, and she's like, what is this? She goes, this is awful. I go, oh, no, this is good. She goes, no, no, it's not. <laughs> But it's fun, and when he play, when he did that, uh, it's I think it's a fun song, you know, it, it's a fun song to listen to, and when he did that solo tour, I guess like it was 2008, um, he came to town and he did like a medley, and, and this song was part of the medley, and that was fun, that was exciting to hear, because it was so different, you know what I mean, I mean, because you, when you go see a KISS show, you, you can name about 12 songs you're going to hear, and you, you know when you're walking in the door, but... You know, Ace does a medley, and that's something I wish Kiss would do. But you know, he does a medley with "Torpedo Girl" in the middle of it, so I thought that was fantastic, and it was it was fun. I think it's a I think it's a fun song. So it's my take. Yeah, on. yeah. I,
1: I definitely think so. What do you think,
2: Ken?
0: I think we're gonna be too rushed with my mom visiting.
1: Your mic's not on, eh?
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, it's on. There, there you, you go. go. But no, yeah, I said, like I said, it's it's an okay song. I'm okay with it. It's it's nothing to scream home about. Um, so I think, Julian, what's your thoughts on Torpedo Girl?
0: Torpedo Girl? Didn't we already... I already gave my thoughts. You already gave. Oh, it. so there okay. you go. Uh, so that's, we're on
3: we're to the last list. piece of garbage.
0: Yeah, and that's really the way to describe it. You're all that I want. No, you're not. It's awful. Uh, yeah. Piece of shit. I, well... I, I've never liked that song. I didn't like the demo that they put out on the box set. I didn't make me like it anymore. I just... uh Why they chose to play that
3: live in Europe too?
0: Yeah, and that—that's one—one of the things I was going to close out with is you know the selection of live songs. That this was always a head scratcher for me when, when they could have used more rocking songs, they instead. You're all that I want. No, that's just one of my least favorite Kiss songs. It's up there with the Nothing can keep me from you, the Read my body, you know, and it's up there. It just does not work for me.
2: Ken. Yeah. Well, while I like the. The demo better. Um, I think the song should have been sped up. I think if it was sped up the song, uh, it would have actually improved it into a more rocking type song. Um, the way it, you know, kind of you know, you're all like dreaming of, and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of kind of not going anywhere. You're kind of waiting for it to kick in and. I would have rather have had them, you know, kicked up the speed of it and, you know, rocked it out a little bit more and I think it could have been this is one of those ones that yeah, it's still even though there's a demo form which I like better than this album form I think even the, you know, album form is still demoish uh, in my opinion it's not it's not finished. They, they could have really improved the song had they changed uh, the timing of it.
0: Yeah, and you're supposed to finish and close out an album with a strong track, and that certainly isn't. Lonnie, your yeah. take on it? Yeah, it's,
3: it's. I actually don't mind the demo that's on the back set. Um, I think it sounds superior to the load of crap that ended up on the album itself. And it, it's like you said, it's more of a head scratcher. I mean, they used to. I mean, they've closed out albums with with "Do You Love Me" and with "Rock and Roll Night" and "Black Diamond," and they close out this album with "You're All That I Want." Doesn't make any sense to me at all, and it's just it. I think the album should be. I think the album should be one song shorter, and you should have closed it out with "Torpedo Girl." Just call it a day. Yeah, Mark.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, while I agree as well that I think the demo on the box set was better than the, the album version, I still think that they should have just axed this song. It was. It just seems like a total just. It's it's just there to appease Gene. I think that's it. I mean, uh, it's not it's not strong by any stretch of the imagination, and it's just a song. When you, when you look at a record, I was always taught that you should listen to the, listen to it top to bottom, end with your strongest song, as well as start with your strongest, just to leave people wanting to come back to it again. But it's it that song does not make me want to do that in the slightest. It makes me like just ugh, Not want to listen to the record again, so I would have just, I would have just axed that song and ended it on Torpedo Girl.
0: So before we wrap up, let's talk about some of the live songs. They they perform four from this album on the Unmasked or Shandy. Obviously, um, this song, You're All That I Want, Talk to Me, and Is That You were those good selections. And you know what? If they're going to perform four songs, pick the four that you'd want to hear live. You know, back in 1980. Um, I'll go, you know, I I think Is That You's a great song to do live Shandy, obviously Just Let the Australians suffer that Um, Talk To Me was a great song to include Because it's Ace and it's the best of his I think I probably would have gone With What Makes the World Go Round Instead of um, You're All That I Want So, you know I just don't see that many of these That I'd actually even want to hear live But as long as we get rid of that last song then, yeah. you know, then I would have been happy enough in 19, looking back on myself as maybe a 1980
2: fan. Ken, I would have loved to have heard Naked City live. That one for sure, and and tomorrow, those those two songs yeah. for sure. I would have, man, that would have been great to hear those live. Uh, I think we still have yet to hear, maybe even one or both of those songs on any kind of live. Thing as far as I, I don't know. think you're going not to. even on the cruise maybe may, uh, man I'd love them to do that on the cruise uh, on their yeah, maybe their fun. sail away this year yeah and that would be awesome
0: yeah, maybe maybe have them you know send out an email to everyone saying hey we changed our mind it's not going to be creatures of the sea it's going to be unmasked at sea <laughs> watch, watch people <laughs> jumping off the boats people, you know? people requesting their money back <laughs> <laughs> naked city with cookie cutter vocals yeah
1: <laughs> well I I would I would probably go similar to what Ken said I mean I would I don't mind is that you I would I would have kept that. Um, talk to me. I, I like that too. I thought they did that pretty good live, but I definitely don't understand why they wouldn't have done tomorrow. Over you know your, your role that I want. That was oh god, bad idea. But I, and I think that um, they. I also agree that Naked City was a is a really good song. I think that they could have probably played that live pretty well, and I would have loved to have and heard, heard that one. No.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna echo what you guys are saying. I think tomorrow and Naked City would have been the best choices for me to to hear live and why they even attempted to play you're all that I want. At least they dropped it at like what, like midway through that European tour they didn't play it on all the, all the dates. So that, and doesn't make any, and it's kind of a head scratcher to me that they, that they even attempted to play. Why that song? That doesn't make any sense. But, yeah.
0: I, I, you know. And that's the problem with it. That, you know it's just the why so much of it doesn't make any
3: sense
0: yeah i'm I'm just quickly looking up uh you're all that i want yeah they only played it nine times yeah i only
3: played it halfway
0: through so that's that's nine times too many too many Uh, (laughs) all right well there's other aspects of unmasked that we could talk about but you know i think we can leave that for a different show when we talk about you know the, the, the drummer auditions and the tour you know there's not that much really to talk about the tour you know it is uh it is what it was and didn't tour america obviously so that's unmasked happy birthday uh in a kind of weird way where half your friends insult you and the others say happy birthday it's uh one of those weird surprise parties but you know obviously the album today is the day it was released so give it a spin and you know join us on the faq message board thread or look us up on facebook and give us your opinions of the album what are the great songs what are the ones that you don't like What should they perform live and, uh, you know, what could have been changed up to make it uh, a better album than it obviously was or could nothing have saved it. So we thank you for listening. Ken, Mark, and Lonnie, thank you for joining me today. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today.